0: And welcome to the final episode of Still Watching for the Year 2020. I'm Vanity Ferris senior writer, Joanna Robinson.
1: And I am Anthony Bresnikan, special correspondent out of Los Angeles.
0: I always feel like I should salute you when you say special correspondent. I love well, I don't, that.
1: <laughs> I do not outrank you. That's just, I think they didn't know where to put me.
0: No, I don't I don't even mean it out ranking. I just sort of like correspondent feels so wartime, like you know, like you should have your anyway, we're here to talk about another war, Star Wars. Um yeah. Special business,
1: life, special agent. Our,
0: our, our, our man and Alderon, uh Anthony Brest again. Yeah, so uh we are here to talk about the finale of uh The Mandalorian. Before we get into that at all, like literally at all, I just want to tell you we're gonna talk about the finale of The Mandalorian. Uh, A lot of stuff happens in it. (laughs) Turn off your listening device and go watch it if you haven't watched it yet. We're going to talk all about it. So uh, if you've managed to duck, somehow duck spoilers online and still found yourself here. Uh, and then you're going to get spoiled fi- by us. I don't want that. So please go watch it for yourself. Uh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, we will break it all down for you. Um, and also before we get into the Mandalorian of it all, I just want to talk about two things really quickly. Number one, and I, and I said this on the last episode of The Flight Attendant with Richard is, um, this is, consider this me asking you all, the listeners, for, um, a little holiday gift which is to leave us a, a a review if you'd be so kind on iTunes and if you and if that review is nice all the better but you can you can write mm-hmm. whatever you want um but uh I was just scrolling through our reviews and I was noticing a little of what um Richard called the Yelp effect, which is like people only leaving reviews if they were feeling salty about us. And I know because you all are so kind to us on Twitter and send us lovely emails that there are folk- folks out there who do like the show. Uh, so if you are out there and, and you're feeling generous this holiday season and want to drop us a review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you so much. It helps other folks find the show. And we just love to share the hottest of our hot takes with you guys.
1: <laughs> so Exactly. Hey, give them a high five. They deserve it.
0: Um, That's my and, two
1: cents. And YouTuber <laughs> as can a Can I kid. leave or can I – can yeah, I leave a no. review even though I'm on the show? <laughs> no, you're
0: part of the the family. You can't leave a review. Um, uh, and right. to that end, that brings me to my second piece of news, which I also mentioned on, on the Flight Attendant episode, but I'll say it here as well. We've picked our first show, 2021. We are covering WandaVision. We're staying here on Disney+. Uh, we're jumping from The Mandalorian over to the Marvel Universe. We're covering WandaVision. I have roped both Richard Lawson and Anthony Bresnikan into covering the show. I'm so excited. Anthony's going to bring like all this comics knowledge. Um, I have some. Anthony has more. It's going to be great. Anthony, are you excited for WandaVision?
1: Yes. Co- comics knowledge, but also uh, a lifetime, a childhood spent coming home from school and watching all of the syndicated TV that I could consume <laughs> uh, between like six and eight, you know, like uh, all the sitcoms that they're... Uh, I don't know if you can say spoofing, referencing, yeah. uh, yeah. paying homage to as part of whatever this bizarre Fantasia is, that is WandaVision, uh, so I got a lot of that in my back pocket, too. <laughs> hey, hey, it turned out to be useful. So uh, back off. <laughs>
0: exactly. This show is for Lashkey kids who watched a lot of Nick at Night. Um, so so, yeah, so we are going to be covering that starting in the middle of January. We're going to have a little like prep episode before the first episode to sort of talk about, you know, things you might want to do to prepare. But I do have a little bit of holiday vacation reading for you all. Um, if you want to be smug comic book readers uh, while you watch WandaVision, I would recommend two things number one is the vision um comic book uh storyline by tom king uh, that came out a couple years ago it's fantastic it's vision in the suburbs um so that that will help you get prepared and also the house of m storyline yeah uh, uh, those would be my two recommendations do you have any other um recommendations anthony for reading
1: well i was gonna i was gonna say house of M. um I'm glad you mentioned it uh that's one that Elizabeth Olsen has been thinking about since way back t- to the uh, age of Ultron when she first started playing this character and so uh, i I'll, I'll be glad to see we've seen little hints of it in the teasers you know I think the wine they're drinking is like House of Maison or something like that and, uh, <laughs> it's like uh really house, house, clearly, clearly on their minds you know um but that was a that's a pretty amazing storyline
0: so um that is what I recommend you do over your holiday uh, vacation if we are considering this all- We're just still staying at home. That's what we're doing these holidays. Holiday if- staycation. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so that is what's coming up. So let us talk about what is past. And that is um, The Mandalorian Season 2 has come to an end. Um, let's start actually at the very, very end. Uh, yeah. and And just to make sure that you all have watched this, there is a post-credit sequence... Um, with Boba Fett and Fennec Shand at, uh, Java's palace, a very familiar locale. I was just like muttering Boba the Fett. Is this something in my head as he likes that? So, uh, basically what Fennec Shand and, and Boba come in and Fennec takes out a lot of, uh, you know, menacing guards and frees, uh, Twi'lek from her, uh, chain and, uh, in a great move, I think. And then, uh, and then who does Boba Fett, uh, See sitting on Jabba the Hutt's throne here.
1: That looks like Bib Fortuna to me. It
0: is Bib Fortuna. The closed captionings confirm it.
1: Oh, good. I was yeah. wondering because he's changed a little. You know, he's he's
0: a-, a he's a little portly, right? Like he's he's like trying to achieve Jabba's, uh, you know formidable size maybe perhaps as well with the throne trying to fill well, out that throne looks
1: also like to su- surprising to see him i assume he died on that barge that blew up didn't you
0: listen i mean boba fett survived the sarlacc pit so anything's possible in star wars um yeah i did not expect him to be alive but here he is alive for a time <laughs> now he's dead um, fortuna been- for
1: those who you know are more casual fans like do you remember the really pale tw- he's a twi'lek uh creature who um was like the consigliere to right. uh, job of the hut like the he had the big white uh head tails that wrapped around and like also it was easily played by luke kind of with the jedi mind trick and so mm-hmm. uh he's apparently survived and is now ascended to the throne literally
0: yeah he wears his his tails like a like a jaunty scarf
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: as opposed to usually we uh, I'm used to seeing Twi'leks uh, wear them down their back anyway so um so Boba Boba Fett takes his revenge I suppose on, on Bib Fortuna takes uh, the job though I don't you know I don't know necessarily why he would uh, be yeah, ladies in Vengeance. But, like, you know, basically he takes Jabba's throne. He's like, I'm I'm the Jabba now. Uh, with Fennec Shand uh, grab- <laughs> grabbing grabbing. very
1: good barcode Omdi <laughs> Thank reference you, thank there. you. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. Look at me. I'm the Jabba now.
0: With Fennec Shand <laughs> grabbing, like, a bottle of something blue and glowing and sitting by his side, reminding us that, like, these were... You know, temporary allies of the Mandalorian, but you know they were. These have both canonically been uh, villain characters in in Star Wars. These two characters, so um, so and then it flashes the book of Boba Fett. And some people were wondering if that was what season three of The Mandalorian was going to be called. But The Hollywood Reporter uh, has confirmed that that is the name of a new spinoff, one that they did not announce <laughs> at the deluge of news that we got from Disney, perhaps because mm-hmm. they hadn't decided they were going to do it yet. They Maybe they were waiting to see how Boba landed with audiences or something like that, but uh looks like uh Fennec and Boba did uh, everything they needed to do to earn themselves a spinoff and it will be coming in December twenty twenty one, the Book of Boba Fett. So This
1: delights me in a number of ways. Yeah. I am a I am one of those old school dudes who like you know, who dug Boba Fett back in the day and you know, there's been a lot of talk about Rehabbing that character that he was always sort of a chump back in the uh, Return of the Jedi. He died like a chump. <laughs> and, uh, and now he gets to come back and we've seen, uh, as played by Tamir Morrison, him really be a badass, a, a brutal fighter uh, in, that, uh, in the tragedy episode, for one. But also uh, in, in the episode since where we've seen Boba really come into his own and do and be the fearsome bounty hunter and warrior that we always knew. He was, deep down, if we didn't always see it on screen. But, like, I love Fennec Shand, too. I dig Ming-Na Wen, fellow Pittsburgher, all the way, three rivers (laughs) in the galaxy far, far away. Um, She... I was really sad when she died right away in her first episode. And I'm glad she's going to be turning up on The Bad Batch, the animated series that goes back to the Clone Wars. And uh, I love that the way this Book of Boba thing played out, it was... Uh, it was to the score of the Mandalorian, but it it felt like a music video to me, the sort of smooth way they rolled in Mm. and just like, you know, there's the little kid sound effects, like just sort of took out everybody. And then the camera kind of swung in, very like mellow to just zoom in on him sitting on the throne and her like, I don't know, sort of a cross between a gangster's mall and like the consigliere, like, just easing, sitting on the armchair of the throne, sipping the what is that glowing oh, blue yeah. blue wine? Like that was didn't you reference that in a previous episode? One of our write ups, like the blue, oh I the did, blue but tray. I
0: don't remember what it's called now. Yeah, it's a it's...
1: kind of like particular wine. You've got yeah. blue milk for the kiddies and and sort of neon <laughs> blue milk for the grown-ups. And she's just like chugging from the carafe, you know, like <laughs> just uh, I'm just gonna drink from the bottle here, and uh, I just dig her character. I think same, she, yeah, you know. Because we've seen a lot of bounty hunters, and I like that she's an assassin. And you're right. These are not the good guys. Sorry. This feels
0: like the, the Star Wars uh, TV show version of the Suicide Squad or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, the antiheroes that we love, but, like, let's remember who they are.
1: And, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so. And I, too, was curious. It was a little early on Friday, but I was going to check in with my Lucasfilm sources and say, like, okay, Book of Boba Fett, like... You know, the cha- the way the Mandalorian is structured is by chapters, right? That's what they call them. Chapter 16, Uh, the rescue is the one we're talking about now. But, um so Book of Boba, like, is that going to be chapter, th- the next chapter of the Mandalorian? Like, the next book of the Mandalorian? But, like, this felt like a series finale. Am I wrong? Like, when what happens happens, it felt like, oh, this is the end of...
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, journey. it's not it's not crystal no. clear. I will say that that the byline on the Hollywood reporter um article uh is Aaron Couch um who is who's a writer that I trust.
1: Yeah, I trust him too.
0: Um but he doesn't have I reading the article he doesn't have anything like we confirm with Lucasfilm. So we don't know if maybe he's making an assumption because it is it could possibly go two ways, right? The Book of Boba Fett could be a new spin-off that they hadn't announced at the Disney thing. Um or it could be what they're calling the Mandalorian season 3 which they did previously announce and did say was coming in December 21 and 2021. And it would be surprising if they had both the Mandalorian season three and the book of Boba Fett airing in 20 December 2021. But Disney plus is trying to like, you know, fill their shelves as as full as possible. So um, it's like, like Anthony said, it's early Friday morning. It's a little unclear. If that THR article didn't exist if, by by a source that I trust, I would be inclined to say that's what they're calling season three of The Mandalorian. Um, and you're right. I mean, like, Din Djarin says goodbye to Grogu. Grogu goes off with Luke. Uh, sorry. We're gonna get to all of that, obviously, but like Dinjarin goes says goodbye to Wait, Grogu. It's not
1: Luke Duke, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, Whatever Luke's uh, could there be? Yeah, it's, it's the Luke, the one the and only. The Luke. Luke,
0: you know mm-hmm. who I mean when I say Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Grogu is off with of them. We're not gonna have the Mandalorian season three without B- Grogu, without Baby Yoda in it, right? Like what I was, I was reading some comments from like some of my listeners of another podcast and one of them was like, I think this is the last we'll see of Grogu. And I was like, Lucasfilm would be insane to leave Grogu on the shelf. You know what I mean? So like, and plus it's setting up all this like uh, Djarin, uh, Dark uh, Darksaber conflict and all of that is being set up. So I don't, I don't see how you leave that. Um, as a finale unless you know to be continued in a Bo-Katan series and and like what's the what's the purpose of that you know what I mean
1: yeah I mean I think we'll find out in short order Lucasfilm's strategy on this season of the show is to let things sit unspoken for a couple of days and then come in with a little bit of explanation and uh you know I think we'll know by next week what is Maybe we'll know a little sooner. Like, what is the Book of Boba? Sometimes they clear up things that they're like, ah, no, sorry, guys, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> like, right, uh, right, um They also don't like to give away their spoilers, and not everybody is uh, uh, as devoted as uh, as we are and many of our listeners who stay up till midnight or later <laughs> on the East Coast to watch the uh, show. So, so hopefully
0: I, we'll have some clarity. I think we'll get clarity pretty yeah. soon.
1: The festival also features diverse vendors as well as a specialty record, poster and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. And, you know, I'll be honest, like this might seem a little blasphemous to our, our tiny green God, but I kind of feel like. Baby Yoda has given us all he's got. He's cute. He's fun. We got his name. We got a little backstory. I'll, I don't think it's, I don't agree think it's the to, last we've yeah. seen of him. But, like...
0: I'll agree what? there's limits on him. I'm just... Uh, yeah. I'm just... I'm, I'm worried about a future of the Mandalorian without him. But maybe Maybe they don't think they need him uh, at this point. That they've hooked audiences enough. And they don't need the thing that hooked them in the first place. Um, but... Um, well, and by hooked them in the first place, I mean sort of like the Mandalorian is a broader hit than it would be with just like diehard Star Wars fans, right? It's like a broad hit, and a lot of that has to do with like Baby Yoda memes, honestly. So, um, you know, but but if folks are already like in for the ride and they don't need that anymore, then they don't need that anymore.
1: Wait, uh, yeah, I think we could see. I mean, we're talking in terms of storytelling. I think Baby Yoda is with us for like the rest of our lives,
0: absolutely. In
1: terms of like plushies and toys and cartoons and and like i would not be surprised to see um baby yoda turn up like on the a droid story cartoon or animated i know nobody likes the word cartoon but like cartoon's a good thing (laughs) when you're a kid um i could see him turning up in places rather than being like the main figure the way he was in the mandalorian and i think that's smart like like for example boba fett Look at how that character, and they are different characters who strike different nerves, of course. But, like, how long did that character endure in the pop culture consciousness with just, like, a few glimpses in movies 40 years ago? Like, so, you know, I think Baby Yoda's made his mark and he can stay there in the (laughs) imagination without, like, being omnipresent and, like, part of a show all the time.
0: I, uh, yeah, I think that's true. I just don't know if Lucasfilm necessarily, they're smart storytellers. I don't know if they always listen to their better angels, uh, in terms of like what's best for story. And I feel like sometimes they are like, what's best for, um, either, you know, what's best to catch the attention of audiences? What's cute? It's a, it's a ball droid. It's a, it's a porg It's a whatever. Like what's cute? What's gonna, what's gonna sell toys? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, mm-hmm but uh but whatever it'll take take a
1: real sorry to interrupt uh, no it'll take a long time for baby yoda to change you know like he's 50 and he's still in like like a three-month-old essentially or maybe a one-year-old um so like by the time we get to like surly teen yoda it's gonna be like hundreds of years in the future so so like before we get any evolution on that character, he's gonna be a little kid for a long time. Now maybe that's good because that keeps him cute and cuddly. Uh but like uh he's not like Groot in Marvel where you can have the tree grow and be go from baby Groot to teen Groot to then full grown Groot again.
0: I know. Like I don't know that I want a verbal Grogu is the thing. You know yeah, what I mean? that's like, what I mean. Yeah.
1: You don't want him that's that's a, that's the conundrum for storytelling, right? Is You don't really want this character to change, and yet if the character doesn't change, yeah. Uh, all right, like there he is, he's doing the magic hand thing, he's drinking soup, you know, like okay. I
0: don't oh, know. Fair enough. <laughs> um so that uh that's the end. You know, stay tuned. Um our producer Dave Gonzalez uh who I like to cite cuz he knows he talks to me about Star Wars a lot and he knows more than I do. Um he suggested the idea that between the new shows that they've announced since last week, you and I spoke for uh, this podcast. They announced at the Disney uh, Investors Call that they're doing an Ahsoka Tano a spinoff, which you, Anthony, like from the start, were like, they're doing Joanna. Come on. <laughs> of course they're doing one. Um, and then Rages of the New Republic that we think maybe... Uh, might have once been titled Cara Dune and Rangers of the New Republic, but now just called Rangers of the New Republic. Um, And this show, and these are four shows that could, you know, if the Mandalorian season three is something separate from the book of Boba Fett, which I think it is, but you know, we'll see. Um, Those uh, four shows all set uh, in the same time period with overlapping characters, could, could interact the way that the CW has built its like superhero uh, TV franchise, mm-hmm. where you have crossover events and stuff like that, and that's why I could kind of, and that that's Dave's um, idea uh, that he floated to me, and and so like I can kind of see like Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three airing contemporaneously if Mandalorian season three has more to do with like Bo Katan and the throne of Mandalore and stuff like that, and how it could overlap with a Boba Fett series and help launch. A Boba Fett series, you know, if you have crossover um, storylines, etc. Um, does that does that make any sense? It's it's all speculative at this point, but it's a possibility.
1: It does make sense. I mean, they need they are being very aggressive with the number of shows they're announcing, uh, and they're trying to keep the pace up. Obviously, trying to keep people interested, and uh, I think that's very wise in terms of. You've got this property. People want more of it. Keep feeding them. I think it's better to keep giving them different Star Wars rather than you know again like the same, uh, the same kind of stuff over and over again. And I think that'll get that'll be something we have to discuss as part of the ending of the Mandalorian too. So I think look, there's a ton of material out there for them to explore and um, and and to mine and to uh, to give us whatever the, the the verb is that you want to put in front of it. And, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that what they give us is a diversity of tone of shows. Like, okay, they can all be Star Wars shows, but if we're going to get Rangers of the New Republic, I don't want it to just be, my hope is that it'll be like, um, let's say like it's about X-Wing pilots sort of dealing with hotspots in the galaxy after the fall of the Empire. That's a cool show, you know, and you can have a lot of dynamics. You can have, uh you can have them helping people. You can have them chasing bad guys. Or I think it could be like, you know, what was it like patrolling Berlin after the end of world war two, where you've got to actually like rebuild a society and, um, and also take out the, the negative, the destructive, the evil elements that are, you know, threaded throughout it. And, and yet also, uh, just sort of do the basic uh like law enforcement work of that any society requires especially in a in a desperate demolished space so like i think that could be kind of a kind of a cool thing maybe like hill street blues with x-wings like be careful <laughs> out there you know you get some aliens you get some humans they're all trying to do their best in the galaxy and uh you know, hopefully they'll avoid the galactic version of propaganda. But like, I think, uh, I think, look, it gets a combination of like soldiers or or uh, uh, galactic police officers trying to clean up uh, and protect people. Like, uh, that's a that's a neat thing to do with some X-wing pilots. He get some cool starships in there, and then we also, you know, we have the movie that Patty Jenkins is making, Rogue Squadron, which, which is going to focus on um, on X-wing pilots. Although it sounds like that's going to be more in the future, maybe in the uh, in a sequel era uh so oh does it it's a different time I, it, it seems they're not really clear on what that actually is going to be
0: uh, i was imagining i was hoping you know what i was hoping for what's that a wedge and tilly show
1: <laughs> yeah but that would be in the what i'm saying is the future in terms of the mandalorian timeline so mandalorian is like right after Essentially, a few years after Return of the Jedi, right, and that Wedge Antilles. If they bring Wedge back the way they did in Rise of Skywalker, let's say, what is that a timeline of like twenty five years? Oh, but
0: I guess I wasn't thinking like Dennis Lawson as Wedge Antilles, but oh. I guess, but I guess it should be him. I was thinking like young Wedge Antilles and like all the you know all the guys who like f- flew with Luke like younger or whatever. But but well, we could we could do Dennis Lawson we, now. You know what I mean?
1: We got a little of that in Rebels. You know, right, right. Where Wedge was wasn't it Wedge who was like the galactic Tie fighter pilot that they recruited away?
0: Are you asking for a Snaps
1: Wexley series? Oh, is that what? <laughs> no, wait. Wasn't <laughs> no, no, it Wedge?
0: I'm not, I'm, no, no, I'm not saying it wasn't Wedge in Rebels. I'm just saying like I'm just trying to think of like other uh, I was... <laughs> pilots I would want to follow. Anyway, we 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 should talk. We should we should talk about the the big thing that happens this episode we haven't even like really talked about i it know yet.
1: we're dancing around uh
0: is there anything you want to talk about i mean like there's a there's a lot that happened you and i both love the fact that like the the four person team that takes the ship uh is all women but all women in a way i i get really uh annoyed <laughs> when these these moments for women are are um, highlighted and underlined and put in bold and exclamation marks a la the moment uh, in Endgame uh, really uh, annoyed me or I also get annoyed when they section off the female team and they have to like fight the female female villains female villains (laughs) I hate that Um, and this is just like no what if four extremely capable people just took the ship and they happen to be women but we're not even going to talk about it and they're just going to like do some great stuff and it's a combo of like you know Cardune's sort of more brutal uh approach fennec Shan's sort of slice and dice and then uh you know two women with jackpacks fantastic stuff really really fun um so they take the ship uh meanwhile uh, din has to uh you know stop the 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 dark troopers fights one. Uh, and it's a, a pain to kill. It's a very Terminator slash Battlestar Galactica Cylon moment. And if, yes. and if you're in that Battlestar vein, then all the Dark Troopers going out the airlock is another big Battlestar Galactica moment uh, in a Katie Sackoff episode. I um, saw
1: a lot of Battlestar on yeah. this show. Even the way they launch the TIE Fighters from... Um, oh, Yeah. From uh, 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 Moff Gideon's ship, you know, they're like, stay away, stay away from the portal. And they launched them out. Like, that was very much how they launched the, the fighters in uh, the, the, the perspective of, like, the point of view of the camera launching out. And uh, very documentary kind of approach, right? But they—I think there was a lot. Somebody watched a lot of Star Galactic*, which is good because that's a great show.
0: It is a great show, and 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 never a bad thing to reference. Um, no.
1: Which stole, which uh, back in the '70s stole a hell of a lot from *Star Wars*, and now *Star <laughs> Wars* is taking it back. A
0: cl- a closing <laughs> the loop. Uh, then we get a, a Moff. Uh, a dark saber fight, right? The dark saber versus the Beskar. Um, that Beskar. I mean, it'll save you from dark trooper punches to the head, and it'll save you from the dark saber. So I think we should all, uh, you know, arm ourselves uh, if we can. Um, well, but yeah, go ahead.
1: Can I tell you what I was thinking of when when that? So the dark just thrashes the Mandalorian. Just mm. he, he can barely get a blow in. His fire just seems to – he shoots fire inside this thing's belly and it comes coursing out. It turns into like this – goes from the Terminator to like this hell spawn, like the fire rising out of its collar and it looks at him. And then how about that moment when it kind of opens its mouth or its vent or whatever and like it looks like it's screaming in his face. Like that was uh, – I'd have to watch it again to see exactly what happens there. But the robot kind of like shifts or opens up a little bit. And I was like, that's kind of scary. And then it just pins him against the wall and starts like the Tony Stark, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep <laughs> punch of uh, the Hulkbuster versus uh, a crazy um, um, uh, Scarlet Witch crazed uh, Hulk in Age of Ultron. He's punching the Mandalorian. And I'm like, oh, no, his nice, fancy, shiny helmet is going to get all dinged up. It doesn't, it's fine. but I. The wall I, does. What I couldn't help think about was the uh, the bad time that eggs have on this show. <laughs> like whether it's mudhorn eggs being chewed <laughs> apart by hungry Jawas or Baby Yoda, you know, popping uh uh, you know, uh, frog, frog lady eggs yeah. like like their uh, chicken nuggets like and uh, and I was like. I just feel like his head could. I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I w- it was hitting him so hard. I'm like, that helmet is going to crack, and a human skull is just going to burst like a like a little like a chicken egg. He was hitting him so hard. I was really, it was a what really if- tense moment. <laughs> I'm like, they're setting up the uh, the the motif of the egg shattering. <laughs>
0: what if What if 2020 ended with? Children gathering around the Mandalorian finale only see Din, Din head get burst like an egg, like that. Burst
1: like an egg—a very scanners moment. No. Just pour out of his steel, his uh, Beskar steel helmet. A, a, a like, dark time
0: yeah. for you, Anthony Brostikin. Um... It was, but then when he
1: when he's then when he pressed the button and, and like, uh, you know, uh, vanquished the other dark troopers by uh, sl- sucking them out into space. I was like, oh, thank God, he doesn't have to fight those guys. They were rough. Of course, they come back.
0: Right, um, so so you know, it it can't of course be that easy. He gets the saber. They get Moff Gideon. There's tension because the dark saber, uh, the Din Djarin like won the dark saber off of uh, off of Moff Gideon, and and that means Bo Katan can't take it. It's his weapon now, uh, and this co- will cause strife, even though uh, like. Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, the last thing uh, Din Djarin wants is the throne of Mandalore, um, but he's got this dark saber, and Bo-Katan wants it, and he tries to give it to her, but, like, I, I really liked this moment, actually. Uh it, It's a little plot contrived, but what I did like about it is, like, we meet Bo Katan and her pals, and they're like, "Listen, you don't have to be an orthodox Mandalorian, right? Yes. You could just like yes. take your helmet off; it's fine." But then we we uh, we find her moment where the rubber meets the road. You know what I mean? Like where she's exactly. just like, "This is my thing. Like this is my way, and I can't just I can't just take this thing I desperately want because you're giving it to me because I didn't win it, and that's that's the way." Um, which is yeah. fascinating to me. I
1: kind of get it. It's basically this notion of you have to be. The badass warrior, in order to sit on the throne. You can't just be like a warlord who has an army who will take something. Right. You know, like, and I think uh, we don't really know how he got the dark saber, but I'm guessing Moff Gideon didn't claim it himself or he claimed it through like the use of overwhelming force. And like, that doesn't make you a legitimate leader, it just makes you the possessor of the dark saber. And Din actually won it. And so, it's a real elder. Funny.
0: It's a weird, weird, um, like it's an elder wand moment, right? Isn't that the role of the elder wand in Harry Potter? Like, if you kill the person who had it, you are now the owner of the
1: elder wand. That, or like uh, Thor's hammer, kind of, right? You have to be worthy to wield it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of uh, lore that would put these two characters who might otherwise be on the same side potentially at odds with each other.
1: We'll see. What would would you do if you were Din in that moment?
0: I would say, listen, there's only four (sighs) of us in this room. Let's just all say that Bo-Katan beat Moff Gideon uh, and take it. And I'll never tell. And your sidekick will never tell. And Fennec Shan will never tell. And, uh, you know end of story no one else is in the room where it happened. do you
1: know what i mean here's here's what i would say to her like to make it fast right if i had the time (laughs) i would say you know what there are different kinds of strength than fighting strength you earned this through your help with helping me rescue my little green (laughs) son (laughs) <laughs> like, you earned this through kindness and through generosity and selflessness. Oh my god. I don't think it's gonna work victory.
0: with bo if you're like, kindness and generosity right. no, and No, but it. isn't that,
1: isn't that also a core tenet of leadership? Isn't that a part of being strong? Is being able to help people even when it doesn't personally benefit you. You win. Yeah, if I won this myself, I could just take it and, and try to fight you. I, the reason I don't want it is because I respect you too much. And that's a victory. You have, you have, overtaken me with your fearsomeness you have (laughs) won me
0: over with your leadership
1: and i don't like anybody Uh (laughs) so so take the saber right it's like all right
0: (laughs) all right so we're in that we're in we're that drama is cut off by the return of the dark troopers and then the return of someone else um so did what what was the moment did you know the minute the X-wing shows up. Like, what was the moment that you knew that that was definitely Luke?
1: I gotta say, helmets off to Peyton Reed and and John Favreau and and Dave Filoni and the team because um, what they did here, I think, was play with your expectation. The last time you and I talked, it was like, which Jedi is going to answer? Yeah. Um, uh, Baby Yoda. Baby Grogu's group text <laughs> and, and like come calling, and we had a lot of different theories, and I can't remember what we said, but I know I think I may have referenced or you did like well the only one out there really is Luke, so maybe like Sebastian Stan shows up as right. Luke, young Luke or something, um, and like they they it really is the only option, and so, uh, I think what they played they cleverly played against was the doubt that we bring to that as viewers like well it can't be luke right i mean it probably oh it's an x wing like is it luke even when we see him with the cloak walking like on the security camera which i think was another brilliant piece of directing because it's like black and white yeah. it's a grayscale image it looks really so you good. can't you can't see what the lightsaber color is right yeah. and then and then and also he's wearing the big hood, yeah. the, the Jedi hoodie. And like, <laughs> it could, is that Ahsoka, like with the horns? Like it could be. Um, then they show the lightsaber. Then if you're watching closely, you get a glimpse of the gloved hand.
0: That's when I knew it. Well, I mean, but, like the the green saber, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Luke!" And then yeah. I was like, "Oh, they did it, it's Luke!" And then I saw the, I was like, "Maybe not." Other people have used green sabers. Yeah. And then I saw the gloved hand, and I was like, "No, that's Luke. It's definitely." And then you saw that's where I was
1: like, <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to do Luke." Yeah, the glove. And then you see the yeah. exposed hand, which shows you that it's not just a guy wearing yeah. gloves. Like, like every step they allow you, as a skeptic, to go that that's they can't possibly be doing that. And then finally, when the doors open and he throws the hood back and you see the haircut, whatever you think of the digital recreation of Mark Hamill, you see that haircut from Return of the Jedi (laughs) and you're like, it's Luke.
0: Whether it's Mark you know, or Dorothy, that ha- that haircut is unmistakably eighties.
1: <laughs> unmistakably eighties, unmistakably hale. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I have a lot of issues with the digital Luke, but I I will say that everything up until the hood comes off, I think is really cool and really well done. And it was like even knowing like knowing that it's Luke, it's cool to see him do all this stunt work um in a way that wasn't possible in the original trilogies, given like you know what they were working with at the time like this is and and i think a lot of people felt the same way when they saw Darth Vader show up in Rogue One where he goes slashing oh, through exactly the hallways what I um but i for i didn't love that rogue one moment um oh,
1: really?
0: yeah and and it's for similar reasons i think every time they put Darth Vader in a story which they love to do it makes that it makes that story once again, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about who could it be. I don't like that they feel like they have to bring the Skywalkers into everything. You know what I mean? Like, it makes the universe feel small uh, to to mm. make it always center on the Skywalker. So whether it's Anakin or Leia or Luke, like, it makes it feel small. And so Vader showing up to, like, destroy everything. The audience... Uh, I know most people love that. The audiences that I saw Rogue One with, like, went wild for it. Um but like Rogue One really bothered me. I, I I like a lot of Rogue One, but the Tarkin stuff bothered me, and the Leia stuff bothered me. The Vader stuff probably like a little less, but like because that's a helmeted character. But face CGI bothers me, <laughs> and for yeah, two, I get it. you know, for two reasons. One, I think they haven't quite mastered it yet, though it's getting better all the time. This is definitely like one of their better efforts. Um, but there's an uncanny valley to it, and I think the moment that Luke throws his hood off. Well, I I was distracted and he, I want to rewatch him taking the ship because I liked it, but I was worried and distracted about what they were going to do with his face. Um, and now that I know, I can watch it like just knowing that that's what's coming. And then once he throws the hood off, I I personally am by as a viewer am distracted by that, and um and it so then it robs for me, uh as does the arrival of. R two D two, this re- what should be a, like the emotional like climax of everything, which is Grogu saying goodbye to Din Djarin, like and and another thing that sort of dampens that moment for me is the fact that like he takes his helmet off, like you know Grogu reaches out in a way that's very clearly like let me see your face, Dad, before I go. <laughs> I'm getting oh, upset. yeah. I'm getting good upset. Point. And he takes his helmet off. And, like, it's very emotional. Pedro Pascal is a great actor. It's very emotional. I'm, like, tearing up thinking about it. But I'm frustrated that we saw Din Djarin take his helmet off last week. Like, and that, to me, I'm just sort of like, why isn't this the moment? This should be the moment where he finally, like, you know, this should be what makes him you know we saw him take it off briefly in season one but like this should be the like i'm gonna unmask in front of all these people to say goodbye to my son this is emotional to me and i just don't like there's a lot i liked in last week's episode i liked i really liked the bill burr like monologue and um breaking point that that exchange i thought was really strong but i just don't understand why they sort of you know, got ahead of themselves with the the helmet taking off. They're smarter than I am when it comes to storytelling. So they must have a good reason, but like, I don't, I don't see it. What, what do you think?
1: I live, I I agree completely that it taking the helmet off last episode. um, Undercuts the surprise of seeing him again, you know, this time it does. It undermines it a, a little bit. Not so much that it still didn't affect me. I love that you referenced the show me your take my helmet off, let me look on you with my real eyes. Like kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Thing like, like I hadn't thought of that, and uh, that's very nice. I, yeah, it's not as special because we've seen him recently. I thought plot wise that made sense last week, why they did that. So I was okay accepting it.
0: I don't know that um, it did – I mean, like, I don't – I do like the Mandalorian. I don't mean to be, like, a, a downer on everything, but, like, the plot of last week's episode I actually don't think made sense. Like, why is – Oh,
1: why well, he had to take – well, just, like, I, you know, that you would – why,
0: why is why, – why is this information that they need to track Moff Gideon –
1: why does it require your face scan? Require yeah. any
0: face. Any face we don't recognize can unlock this top secret information we have.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's, that it makes make no sense.
0: sense.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and they could have written that around, like, where he just goes in with a helmet and Bill Burr sees this guy. Uh, I forget Bill Burr's character's name, but he sees this old lieutenant of his or officer of his. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I, I withdraw my, uh, <laughs> my, my uh, excuse for that. They could have... They should have. It was a pleasure
0: to see Pedro, like, I've been advocating for the mask to come off, actually, because it was a pleasure in last week's episode to see Pedro Pascal's face, because once again, he's a great actor, and his, like, silent, what are you doing, man? Uh, looks that he was giving Bill Burr were great.
1: I I wonder if that's the reason they wanted the helmet off, just so they could get reaction shots from him. But I think his reaction, you know, or his, or the stand-ins, or whoever it is, like, The reaction shots from the mask can sometimes also be funny because it's just like (laughs) I agree. Like, oh you know, and um yeah, you're right. They should have preserved it for the for the final thing. The look of Luke Tarkin I'll say this about Rogue One. Tarkin didn't bother me as much. Leia looked terrible. I don't think that worked at all. And um the you know I like it that it closes with her. I think you could have easily had that same ending shooting her from behind. Yeah. And you see the hair, the bon- you see the silhouette, and you hear, you know, Hope. a voice. <laughs> and, like, that would have been fine. Yeah. You would have known who that character was. You didn't need to sh- see her face for that. This, I think you kind of needed to see his face. The way I might have done it is uh, with a lot more f- smoke <laughs> and like you could just sort of barely see his face and you see the haircut and the, uh, you know, the outlines of his face. But that he really is this shadowy figure. You know, he never says some people were complaining online that he doesn't say I'm Luke Skywalker and I'm here to rescue you. Like uh, uh, he never really identifies himself, just that he's a Jedi and uh, that he's taken the baby as they wanted you know um so it felt a little E.T. to me you know you go home now (laughs) and uh uh I like that Luke shows up I know that it's it does make the galaxy small the galaxy is it is small like it just is I, I think we can make it feel vast by telling different stories in this town but the galaxy is small everybody knows each other everybody has a reputation um the I don't one know, thing that... because,
0: like, Din Djarin didn't even know who Jedi, what Jedi were.
1: Well, that's what I mean. It's like, everybody... <laughs> it's funny how much, like, grapevine knowledge there is. And also how bad that is, right? How it's not the correct thing. The one thing that Star Wars does not have is uh, media, right? There's no, like... <laughs> there's no journalism in Star Wars. There's... In the galaxy, there's no, like... There's no... They, they get messages, they watch holograms, but they don't, like... They don't follow the news. There's no like report from a from afar. It's all like, hey, did you hear? It's all like word of mouth yeah. how things travel. That's okay. That's kind of an interesting little call it a bug, call it a fixture, a feature. Um but like it allows for a lot of unknowns to to percolate and uh and you need that, right? Because I think it's rooted in a lot of let's say primitive storytelling, like folk tales medieval legends old west <laughs> tales yeah where you don't really know the full story it's sort of the myth wrapped up with the truth and a little bit of uh a varnish on top of that <laughs> <laughs> and like uh so i'm okay with that so he that he doesn't know who he is but i'm also okay with it kind of i'm also okay with people crossing over and mixing and matching and like uh A
0: a crossover, I don't mind. I just, like, their obsession with the Skywalkers, and it's Lucas's obsession with the Skywalkers, you know what I mean? But it's, like, I just prefer, you know, like, stuff like Rebels, which, you know, has a little bit of Skywalker in it, but is largely Skywalker-free, I think is interesting. Um, So I don't know, but... um, Let's talk about the, 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 the tech aspect. I know that this is something that bothers me more than it bothers the average consumer. Part of it is I think my eyes aren't trained for video. Like, a lot of times when people talk about this, they talk about video games and, like, how they look. Yeah. And I don't play any video games, so, like, my eyes are not accustomed to watching digital faces in that way. Um, And I agree that, like I said, I agree that they're just getting better it's only getting better. I thought Luke's... Got, I thought young Luke's face in The Rise of Skywalker actually looked pretty good because he's not talking, right? You just see him in that flashback in The Rise of Skywalker and his his face is dark but illuminated by the lightsaber. And that's really all you see. And it works. I think that works. I think when you see these digital recreations in stillness, they work pretty well. But once they start to move, the mouth always bothers me. This... Um for sure Effect was done by Lola VFX who have done a lot of work for um, all your favorite movies including a lot of Marvel work a lot of Marvel they, de-aging they, they, they do a lot of de-aging yeah, I was going to yeah, say yeah. yeah de-aging is their is their expertise and um and there is a credited stand in here his name is Max Lloyd-Jones he's done a lot of like Planet of the Apes works so if you look him up like he looks a little Mark hamill not as much as Sebastian Stan does but he looks a little Mark hamill like I, I can see it but basically what they do then is that they sort of of like, uh, you know, digitally sort of uh, copy-paste Hamill's younger visage over this stand-in's face. It's different from what Marvel does because what Marvel does is they take the actual actor with some makeup. And then they VFX DH them. So you have Kurt Russell's there, Michael Douglas is there, um, Robert Downey Jr. is there when they DH them in, in Marvel. And in this case, Mark Hamill is not here. He's credited with his performance. Um, and maybe I'll find you know we 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 haven't seen the full behind the scenes. Maybe I'll find out. But like, um, if they did it the way they did Tarkin, um, you know, it's dots on the face of a stand-in. Mark Hamill's credited in the uh, in the episode, but like I would say, the most that he's being credited for here is use of his likeness and maybe some voice work. But it didn't sound—I mean,
1: like—didn't sound like old Luke. It definitely it doesn't, doesn't sound, sound like, like current Luke. Yeah, it doesn't sound like
0: it. Didn't sound like Mark. any Luke we know, which is you know some digital jiggery pokery. But like, um, so, <laughs> I wonder.
1: I wow, a Sc- Scalia reference. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. I wonder if he, you know, he's a talented voice actor, so I wonder yeah. if he was like doing his version of his younger self, if that's possible.
0: I mean, with yeah. some digital aid, aid, like you can't do that. He can't take the no offense to Mark Hamill who's who's like a, a great spry man, but you can't take you can't take the age out of your voice, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like so that's maybe that's why it didn't Here's the thing I feel. It's yeah. like it's, it's this is really cool and maybe someday it will be seamless. It's unnecessary for me, you know, like, and also it might be that they just, let's say they have a plan, or at least they want to keep an option open to maybe tell those stories of Luke Skywalker in this era, right? Post-Jedi, pre-wise old man exiled on the Jedi Temple Island in The Force Awakens. And like... Show him setting up his school, working with his nephew, doing some Jedi business in the galaxy. And, like, I'm not saying they have a plan for that, but if they want to keep their option open, maybe they're like, well, we don't want to cast a new Luke Skywalker because we don't know who's actually going to play him. And then we don't want to have to recast him, right? So maybe they could have brought in Sebastian Stan, who is uncannily, speaking of uncanny, like very similar in facial structure and eyes to Mark Hamill back in the day. Like, maybe we could have cast him uh, for this cameo appearance, uh, but then are we going to get him for the show? And, like, it just closes some doors for them or complicates some things. And so their solution is let's just make it Mark Hamill and we'll we'll get going. Like, I would love – I am okay with roles being passed to other people. This was a big debate about Ahsoka Tano, like, why Ashley Eckstein, who voiced her, didn't get to play the part with full makeup in live action – uh, and Rosario Dawson did like sometimes roles have to pass to other actors. Why couldn't we just de-age uh, Marlon Brando to play Don Corleone as a young man in Godfather 2? Well, that wasn't possible then. And I'm not sure that that was better. We just accepted Robert De Niro as the character. And I think you can ask for a little bit of buy-in from your audience. Yeah. They know the time has passed. We're not delusional. We live in the real world, most of us, sometimes. (laughs) Like, just accept that another younger actor has come in 40 years later to play this part, you know? and uh, But I think maybe they don't want to close it off, so they're just going to stick to the original. I would have been fine with a a similar-looking actor, famous or not, playing Luke. At the Completely, at and Same. understanding that it was Luke.
0: Same. Absolutely. I would have really preferred that. Like, I think, I think a, a lot of my issue has to do with this, this digital stuff. And, and once again, I understand that that's not everyone's hang up. <laughs> and so it's like, it's either yeah. something I have to get over or eventually the tech will get so good that it won't bother me anymore. But, um, it,
1: it, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as an ending. I, I like, let's talk about that. Like as the, just as, as a story point, Technology aside, were you pleased to see Luke Skywalker come back?
0: I, I I I think the fight stuff is really fun. I think seeing seeing that figure and knowing that's Luke Skywalker is is really fun. The other hesitancy I have around it, and this has you know this has to do with the larger fandom, is I worry sometimes about the way in which Lucasfilm has reacted to the reaction to the last Jedi. Yes. A, a film that I love and that's okay that other people don't love it. But I feel like some of the stuff that we saw in the rise of Skywalker that felt a little um, like patched on um, felt like a fear reaction from Lucasfilm of like, we've angered our fans let's do a make good and give them more of what they want. And one of the main complaints out of The Last Jedi was that people didn't like that depiction of Luke. I love that depiction of Luke. I think it's the best acting Mark me Hamill too. has ever done. I think he's extraordinary. I think it's an interesting place to take the character. It doesn't, to me, make uh, Luke Skywalker a failure. I can't believe you would say that if you like watch him... Even in like force projection mode, dust like dust something off his shoulder and stand down. All like this is a badass Luke at the you know like and 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 the setbacks that he had to get there make it all the more rewarding. I love Luke in that movie. Some a lot of people didn't. They wanted a more hero- classically heroic Luke, and this uh, appearance. Set, I think it's nine years after The Last Jedi, um, gives them what they wanted, which is... Uh, Return of the Jedi. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Nine years after Return of the Jedi, gives them the Luke Skywalker that those folks wanted. It doesn't... Like, this is this is still Luke on the same trajectory. It doesn't... Um, contradict the last Jedi the way in which I think some of the rise of Skywalker did um yes. you know what I mean so that so that's a, like that's not as bad as it might be um but it does feel a little bit like uh I'm worried that it'll feed the people being like now see this is the Luke we deserve you know what I mean and I'm like we can have both uh, that's that's we, an, can both. we can have both we need yeah. you need
1: both like yeah. this is ninja Luke right this yeah. is ninja in his prime Luke yeah and something happens between this point and the Force Awakens, that makes him go, ah, oh, I'm done. Like, what I love about what Brian Johnson did with The Last Jedi is, this is a Luke who has realized the Force is about more than killing and fighting. And he never picks up the lightsaber again. You know, and there's people who are pissed that he chucks the lightsaber over his shoulder. I'm okay with that, too. I love the look he gives the saber and the memories it conjures. And I think it's a tremendous story point to have him say, that's not who I am anymore. Yeah. And I am I am never I, – I, this is not an unforgiven Clint Eastwood moment where you uh, – <laughs> I'm not dissing that movie. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's a tragedy. Like he picks up the guns again. Yeah. He doesn't want to. He feels he has to. And you know what? It turns out just like he expects. He goes bloodthirsty. And it's not something that gives him satisfaction. It's not like, I'm back, baby. It's like, I'm damned, you know? Yeah. And I think Luke is determined He is not going to strike anyone down with that lightsaber. His bravest moments in Star Wars have been choosing not to strike down his father and choosing not to hop in his X-Wing if it still can fly and go fight Kylo <laughs> Ren. Not he to get, a, yeah, not
0: to get he too... Sends, Sorry, he sends
1: his legend, you know. He sends the uh, the idealized oh, version that. of himself yeah, yeah. to fight, and then says like, "I'm not even here." Yeah. You know? Like I, this was all just. I'm a ghost, just, man. It's just to get in your head, and yeah. like, and now my friends are out, and I'll I'll be seeing you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that, and I think like you know, have I ever told you about Mark Hamill? Like the story he told me that he made up. For Luke. Tell me. This isn't this isn't canon. Okay. It's not. No fan should be like, oh, that's the alternate version we didn't get. And I think it's well documented that Mark Hamill didn't love that he didn't yes. get to be badass Luke again. Correct. Um sorry guy, it's like thirty-five years got in the way of that. So um he had you know one of these actorly notions that at some point between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, that Luke Skywalker parted ways with the Jedi notion that you shouldn't have attachments and that he fell in love. Maybe it's Mara Mara Jade Jade, from the legend, you know? Maybe not. Maybe it's just some other person uh, out in the galaxy that he strikes up feelings for and that that person has, um, has a child. And he adopts this child as his own. And he has the loving family that he always wanted. And that child, this, I think this is a really sad story. People may hate it, but he's like, that child finds his lightsaber and ignites it and dies, like kills themselves. Remember when Luke, like, looks right into the, right into the lens of the, uh, of the lightsaber when Obi-Wan gives it to him and everybody, like, is like, ah, it's like pointing a (laughs) barrel of a gun at your forehead. Yeah. That this child finds the lightsaber and is, screwing around with it and k- kills himself or herself and that luke is, is shattered by this as real human beings are when their gun owners and their child is fooling around with a weapon that they failed to secure and that that's what makes luke go i'm never touching one of these damn things again mm-hmm. you know And, like, again, you might hate this story. I think it's, I like it because I think it's drawn from real life. I think there are a lot of people out there who like their weapons and then suffer a horrible tragedy like that and wonder what the hell they were ever thinking. And, um, I think it makes sense then why Luke would decide maybe a lightsaber, as cool as it is, isn't the solution to every problem. It's the solution to cutting through, like, metal doors for sure. (laughs) But maybe it's not, maybe it's not the great way of resolving interpersonal crises. And, uh, you know, this is still Luke when he thinks fighting is the way to go. That crushing a robot with the force is what the force is for. Although I love that moment, I love that the robot just sort of disintegrates. Pretty great. Pretty great. Looks like, a, yeah, like a uh, like this sort of garish nightmare image of a stormtrooper getting. Pulverized. So anyway, that's my little spiel. Like, but I, that, that's something that I, don't, I doubt they'll ever make that canon. But I like the idea that a, a lot is going to happen to Luke in this time. And I do not think this invalidates the Last Jedi. I think we can have both coexist. But I understand what you're saying. Is you're, you know, there's always that element of rewarding the the squeaky wheel, right?
0: I'm just, uh, I'm very protective of the Last
1: Jedi. Yeah.
0: Um, but that's, what, I mean, like, I understand it's, um. Different people want different things for the franchise. This gave a lot of people something they really, really wanted. Um, and and that's great. It's not what I wanted. And that's okay, too. I'm not going to be doxing anyone as a result of of, of it. Yeah. Um, but Send some death threats. <laughs> I do think one last thing on the tech that I will say. I do think that it forces Luke to, because of what they need... It, and, and Tarkin had a little bit of this, too. It forces the actor to remain very still.
1: Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And so Luke comes in and, like, you know, it's a little bit of, like, Luke at the be- re- beginning of Return of the Jedi in Jabba's Palace when he's like, oh, guess who's leveled up? It's me. And he's very still <laughs> in that as well. So there is some, like, precedence for it. But it just, it seems... I just, I did. I found it distracting. R2D2 shows up and they like the camera goes down to R2 so you don't have to look at Luke's head anymore and like all this sort of stuff. And I just find all that stuff like pretty distracting from a moment that is otherwise, as I said, I, as I was thinking about it, I just got emotional of uh, Grogu saying goodbye to Dinjarin.
1: Djarin. Can, um, can yeah. I defend the R2 moment of though? Of course, of course. Okay. I think you need. I was wondering about this, too. And I think you're right. It takes away from the Din Djarin moment. But we do get the Din Djarin moment before that. Am I right about the timeline? Like, after the touching of the face and then Grogu starts to waddle away, that's when R2 rolls in. So I didn't feel like... Like, I think if R2 had shown up before that, I'd be feeling differently. And maybe I'm screwed up in my thinking of the timeline. But my memory of it from last night is R2 comes in as Grogu is tentatively walking toward this ominous stranger and then he sees this cute droid which we all saw as children and like (laughs) to me that's a little moment of oh oh this might be fun for me you know like i like this little guy and uh maybe we'll you know i think of the interaction between yoda uh, actual yoda and r2 how they like wasn't how he R2, like, smacked zap,
0: him with a stick? Smacked him with a stick,
1: and doesn't uh, like R two kind of zap him with his uh, his droid? Probably to and, get like, him
0: to stop za- hitting him with a stick. And anyway, yeah, 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 like
1: the hostile thing. And here it's like now I'm your uncle. <laughs> like uh, I I thought it added a little warmth to Roku's going to be okay, right? He's got a he's got his droid buddy. He likes him. He's round ish. Grogu likes little round things, I think they missed a little beat, and maybe this would have been too much, but I think like before that door should have closed for the Mandalorian to uh hold up the nub from his uh from his starship
0: oh, the ball the
1: razor crest, the little ball from of his hand, look' the razor crest ain't coming back.
0: give the uh, ball to the to the just, kid,
1: just hold it up and have grogu raise his hand and just
0: yeah, grab it
1: suck that through, you know, oh, like that's I agree. their goodbye.
0: I agree. Oh, now I'm, now I'm disappointed that didn't happen, but yeah, I mean, um, Peter Pascal is fantastic in this moment. I don't want to like talk only about what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I, 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 have always loved Pedro Pascal and, um, have always wanted to see his face more in the show. So I'm glad we got this, this goodbye. The puppet is just Completely the cutest thing in the whole world. I feel like we saw more detail detail in his eyeballs than we've ever seen before. Just incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little worried that they were going to make like Grogu ride R two D two, and I was like, "That's that's a cute bridge too far that I can't I can't follow." Um, but instead, you know, good old Uncle Luke like hoists him up. The thing, the when I woke up this morning uh, at like six o'clock Pacific time two things were trending on Twitter and it was Favreau and it was Ben Solo. And then I, I was like, I didn't even think about why Ben Solo, because Ben Solo could turn any day of the week. If the, if the Raylos like get on their thing, which mm-hmm. God love them. So like, um, so I didn't really like think about it too much. Um, But then I watched the episode and I realized that, you know, it's, it's something that you and I talked about before, which is like, if Grogu goes with Luke, like, why isn't Grogu in the sequel trilogy? What happened to Grogu? Like what's going on? And if he goes with Luke here, Uh, then he's at, maybe in theory, he's at Luke's temple. At this point, Ben Solo is four years old, I think, according to the timeline. Mm -hmm. So, like, he goes to Luke's Mm -hmm. temple, so, like, maybe he's there when everything goes south with Ben Solo, and maybe he dies. That's what people are, like, worried about. Like, did, did Grogu escape the slaughter of the younglings in Coruscant just to be killed by Ben Solo, uh, you know, at the temple? I say no, but I'm just saying that's what people are talking about. I say no. Grogu lives. what I'm going to say. Grogu lives.
1: I'm going to say, simmer down, people. Okay? Like, that's not happening. That's not the pattern of Star Wars. We have gone through this before where we've been like, Ahsoka, oh, she's a cool young girl introduced in the Clone Wars animated series. But she's not in the uh, original trilogy, so she must die. Uh and as we see, just because you're not a part of the action in one of the main storylines doesn't mean that you're not on the periphery or still out there having your own adventure. Um, you know, Boba Fett lives. Darth Maul lives, <laughs> I think.
0: Palpatine lives. Uh, Come on. If Palpatine, Palpatine lives, lives,
1: Grogu lives. That's
0: what I have to say. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: Grogu is going to be okay for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason he was at summer camp when that went down. Fine. He's fine. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, he's going to be okay. They're not going to do that. Uh, you know, it don't worry. It'll be cool. I think we'll see him again. He's got a long life ahead of him, 600 years. You know, they're doing this stuff with the High Republic now where they're going back hundreds of years before the original trilogy. Uh, and I think they're going to end up doing things like going hundreds of years in the future from the original trilogy. And maybe there we'll see like, you know, 40 something in human years, Grogu, who's like a wise, wise oldish man at that point. <laughs> uh, Not that 40s is old, I'll say, in defense of myself, but like, uh maybe we'll see him some point in the future as like a older being. I think we got a long road with uh, Grogu. Our kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids are going to be telling stories about him. <laughs> Excellent. So he'll be all right. Well, he's going to be all right.
0: Look for the Book of Grogu twenty twenty five on Disney Plus and uh...
1: <laughs> twenty one twenty five.
0: <laughs> uh, and until until then, but actually until WandaVision, Anthony Breskin. Where can folks find you?
1: Um, you could find me on VanityFair.com and uh, sometimes on Twitter at Can.
0: Excellent. I am also on VanityFair.com. I'm on Twitter at Joe Wrote this. Um And yeah, this is it for Vanity Fair podcast. Nope, I'll be back. I have one more episode of Little Gold Men before the year is over. We'll be talking about holiday movies. Uh, and then we will all be back in 2021 oh, to do it. Which th-
1: holiday movies are we talking
0: about? We're talking about like talking our about? favorite
1: holiday movies.
0: Just, you oh, know, cool. of yesteryear. Uh, So what's your favorite, Anthony
1: Prestonkin? My favorite holiday movie? God, I love I have a, I have one in my head. Favorites. I
0: have one in my head that I think is your favorite. Go for it. Tell me what it is.
1: Um okay. Like I have a couple of favorites. Like from childhood, Gremlins. Mm. I love Gremlins. Mm-hmm. That's a, one of my favorite holiday movies. My actual like heartwarming holiday movie. Uh I'm gonna it's not real original. But I have to go with It's a Wonderful Life. I wrote it, it makes-
0: down on a piece of paper just in case you don't believe me. I was like, Anthony Breskin's favorite holiday movie is definitely It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Uh, you know me <laughs> too well. And I, want, I wish I had like an obscure, like kind of um, rare one. Yeah. I've got a good rare Thanksgiving movie that I pull out, which is like so my all-time favorite movie, uh, Barry Levinson's Avalon. So nice. I, 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 that's, that's my offbeat one. But like it's a wonderful life. It gets me every time. Yeah. Every time, and I've seen it countless times. So you know, yeah. I I think that's a good movie.
0: It's a it's a it's a good pick. You're a very George Bailey figure. We we mm. we love you, <laughs> Anthony <Brest> again. <laughs> What's yours? Tell me yours. <laughs> oh uh, no, I think mine is It's a Wonderful Life as well. Um, yeah. Uh, hey. Yeah. Can
1: we do one last thing before we go? Of course, of course. And like you cut this out if you don't like it. Sure. But, Like. You have announced some news this week that I think we should mention. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, I guess. You and Dave have a project that you are working on. Dave, our unseen, unheard uh, co-pilot in this a podcast, are working on a big, big project.
0: I know. It's something I'm so used to not talking about. And it's funny. One of my favorite podcasters, she starts every episode by saying, I'm working on a book about Blank. And I'm like, oh, I need to start doing that. Anyway, I'm working on a book about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Dave Gonzalez and I have been interviewing over the past year and a half, have been interviewing Tons of people who have worked on all these Marvel films, all these great, smart, brilliant artisans and writers and performers, et cetera, and we're putting together what we hope will feel like a complete history of, um, you know, the foundation of the Marvel Studios, uh, you know, uh, we're unsure where we're going to end it. Uh, you know, my inclination is is Endgame into the streaming era, but we'll see. But yeah, that's that's what we're working on. Um, Anthony has fielded many a phone call from me about this project, uh, so he is well familiar <laughs> with this. I feel I feel
1: <laughs> super excited for this because I know where they're going with it, and, or I know a little bit about where they're going from having talked to them. And uh, I, guys, like if you love Marvel movies, if you and following them for the decade plus that they've been made you're gonna really love this book and uh uh, i wish you guys both a lot of luck thank you to get my autograph
0: (laughs) i mean i will say like (laughs) uh, you know i've read a lot about marvel over the years and we're hearing stories that i've never heard before that's true that's just true so uh i'm excited to share those stories with you all and um you know it's a you know even if you don't like superhero movies which the box office uh, receipts would imply that you probably do but like um this is just a fascinating hollywood story of like the rise of the studio um and these kinds of stories and franchising in general so um that's mm-hmm. that's sort of what we're thinking about so yeah so that is coming uh just pro- probably about the same time as the book of baby yoda and uh <laughs> the book of grogu <laughs> So we will see you oh. in the future. Uh and happy holidays to everyone. And thank you, Anthony Braziken, for being my co-pilot on uh The Mandalorian. Uh, that's my Chewy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Joe. Have a good 2021. Thanks. <laughs>
0: The Run for Revogue is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am friendly um,
1: who should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah. that. We support that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nikki? Yes? It's been
0: really great Cheer being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asha, can you hear
1: us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs>